Um, I'm going to start today uh, in a sophisticated way and, and read to you um, a saying that you, many of you have heard. It's hard to understand, uh, but please don't lose me as we, we listen to this academic, academic phrase. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never harm me. Who's heard that? Some of you haven't. Where have you been? <laughs> or you're just not responding. Let me welcome the rest of you to this morning's meeting. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never harm me? That phrase, which you're taught as a young child, and then you say it to like bullies, uh, you know, that's, that's how you're supposed to protect yourself. You, you kind of, sticks and stones can break my bones, words can never harm me, is absolute rubbish. Sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can absolutely destroy you. Um, they're far more powerful than sticks and stones. Um, if we have to make an, a theological argument for this, we can look right at the beginning of the Bible. In the creation narrative, God speaks everything into being. His words literally have life. Um, and I don't know how, there's no way of exaggerating this. The words of God have life. Words, speech, vocabulary. Sentences, paragraphs, they have life. Then the enemy comes into the garden, the serpent comes, and his words cause death. They bring with it death. So God has this power of life, power of creation, and the enemy comes to taint and to pervert and to bring death into this. So there's words can bring life or words can bring death. And then God makes Adam and Eve and he says to them this interesting thing. He says, what, you know, here's, here's creation. It's yours to tend and to um, discover. And whatever you call the things that you discover and you tend, that's what it will be. And it's an incredible power that God has given humanity to take care of this world. And as we find things, even today as scientists discover things, we have to name them. Whether we give them Latin names or name them after our mums or whatever, it doesn't really matter. We, we name things. We give things identities. And that's the power that we have. Our words give something a being, an existence. That's what it is. And so our words carry great power given to us by God. The wise writer of Proverbs says, a soothing tongue, this is from the Amplified Version, a soothing tongue, speaking words that build up and encourage, is a tree of life. But a, but a perversive tongue, speaking words that overwhelm and depress, crushes the spirit. Have you encountered someone that when they speak to you, you feel lighter and more lively afterwards? Yes or no? Just raise your hand if you have. Great. I'm so glad. I hope everyone in this room has had that experience. Have you ever encountered someone that after they speak to you, you, you are heavy and burdened and depressed. Your spirit is, feels like there's a rock pulling it down. Most, yeah, sorry, all, probably all of us have experienced that. And probably many of us have been the cause of that. And the Proverbs writer um, is saying you can be a tree of life. Obviously, you don't want to be the opposite of that. Paul writes, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. He's writing to the Ephesians, the Christians in Ephesus. This is an incredible 
um, teaching, if you think about it. I mean, Paul, the great apostle, super intellectual, one of the smartest people who's ever lived, definitely one of the top theologians that have ever lived, can give the Ephesians any sort of teaching and training. And one of the specific things he wants them to learn is how to use their mouths, their tongues, their words. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Let me just pause it here and make it personal. We're in a tricky time of life. There's no perfect way of going through our days. No politician's going to come out of this looking squeaky clean. Has any corrupting talk come out of your mouth? Have you lifted up or pulled down? But only what is good for building up. Paul doesn't think that there's words that are pulled down. He's not like, you know, there's only these kinds of words. He's like, no, there's, there's an array of words. And in your head, you're full of ideas and full of thoughts and full of an opinion, opinions. You see things. Christians, in Ephesus, you choose to only say the ones that are going to build up. So as you go through your catalog of feelings and thinkings and, uh, what am I going to say about this? Narrow it into... This will build up, that's what I'll say. Uh, most of our mothers, or at least in a story we've heard about mothers or grandmothers, have been um, uh, got the credit for telling us to only say good things. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all, right? Has anyone ever been told that before? <laughs> yeah, as a kid, right? If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Really, they're just echoing Paul. If it's not going to build someone up, if it's not going to help the situation, if it's not going to take wood off of a corrupt fire, don't, just... But Paul's also not saying be quiet. He's saying speak, engage, talk. But make sure it's building up. It's a terrible, you know, I watched an interview of a, of a profiled person this week, asked what they think about a, politically, a, a specifically hot topic, and the person on the mic, they, they had to go, uh, um, uh, and this, this person of profile uh, that, that's got thousands of people watching them is umming and looking a bit silly. And uh, 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 as they realize they, they're going through the catalog of things they can say, they can't find anything good to say, and they're stuttering, waiting for something to pop into their brain that they could say. And eventually they go, I don't know, I can't, I don't think I can say anything. This, that's worst case scenario. But that's not really what Paul's encouraging. He's encouraging us that we would find something, we would pray for things, that our mouths would become these, uh, not weapons, but these vessels of grace in other people's lives, that we would learn to be quick to say things that build up. That it may give grace to those who hear. James agrees. James writes, from the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. How can it be? This mouth that builds one person up, tears one person down. In one situation, builds a person up. In another situa situation, tears someone down. You know, if you're in a relationship like this, it's hard. You know, if, if you and I are friends, and the one time you walk into the room, you see me, and I'm like, hey, it's so good to see you. You're like, oh, I love my friendship with Mark. And the next time you see me, I'm like, Oh, you're here again. I'm so confused. 
I'm giving a very light example, but James is saying our mouths have power. And we should not be using them willy-nilly, cursing, blessing. There's one thing that should be constant about our mouths is that we use them to bless other people and ultimately to bless the Lord. So our words have incredible power. So this morning, um, we're going to look at the spiritual practice of blessing. And, And blessing is such a weak word nowadays. It's like the word love. It's so overused that it has no, none of its power left. But we've got to take the word blessing back. It was so overused primarily on Twitter and Instagram. Destroyed it. Do you remember that? Why, how did it get destroyed? Oh, I, feel, I feel a little nausea every time I hear that. Like right here, like, oh, here we go. I just, I, I dislike whatever's hashtag blessed already. Um, but we've got to take it back because it's, it's actually it's a, it's something God has given us. Blessing is something that's, that's the chari- part of the character and nature of God. He is a blesser. And so we've got to take back the spiritual practice of blessing. So this morning we want to look at uh, what is a blessing, why should we practice blessing, and how do we practice blessing. Um, I'm not going to get... Uh, we're not going to like go deeply into it in like a philosophical way. We're just going to really try and understand it so that we can engage with it and we can workshop how could we actually practice it a little bit. Okay, so there's some extreme uh, examples of this that we don't, we're not, we don't want to swing to a, uh, an unhelpful theology around blessing. And I'm not going to uh, deal with that today, but where there's, there's kind of pros- a prosperity gospel, you know, God only wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and well. That's, that we need to avoid that entirely. That's not what we're looking at. But uh, as we look at it, I hope you'll see it. There's the, uh, what blessing really is um, and what it does in our lives and how all of us, you don't need to be gifted to be, to, to be a blessing. You know, like the spiritual gifts, um, spiritual gift of prophecy that encourages, you know, you can long for that. Blessing is something all of us can decide to be and to do. Um, it's part of, of who we are as Christians. So... Uh, what is a blessing? Um, I went to Caleb and Haley's wedding. Nas and I went to Caleb and Haley's wedding, and they got married in a small forest. They were like uh, Robin Hood and Maid Marian. And um, Caleb hadn't told, he had long hair. He kind of looked like Robin Hood. Uh, and he hadn't told Haley, but he cut his hair short for the day. Not a good surprise. Um, that's a lesson for you if you're engaged. Uh, just arrived the way your fiancé remembered you. <laughs> he looked good either way. It doesn't really matter. Caleb's just a good-looking man. But that, that was a surprise there. He stood. And then Haley came down, down the aisle, made Marion in this forest. Um, and so elegant and so graceful. I remember saying to Nas, that's what I want Ella to walk down the aisle. If, if I'm a dad and I see Ella walking down the aisle like that, I could die happy. Uh, that, that would just be amazing. Um, beautiful, just, just a sense of uh, confidence and courage in, in who she is in God. It was beautiful as this, this man and this woman, they came together. And then part of the liturgy, part of what they included in their ceremony was to get their parents to pray for them. It was beautiful, profound. But I remember when Haley's dad uh, laid hands on them and prayed, he prayed a blessing upon them that literally felt as if he was bringing the presence of God into the space. You, 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 it's in a forest, there's twigs and sticks and leaves everywhere. You didn't want to move. You, you could hardly breathe. Every word carried with it, it felt like the weight of heaven. As he blessed them and said, may God keep you, may he protect you, 
May He provide for you. May you have children. May your children be blessed. As He said things we, we want and we hope for each other, it was like they were, it was sealed, signed. It was going to happen. Just absolutely profound. I, I, I think it's changed my life forever. It's understanding, the feeling, the sense of what a blessing is like. Uh, Mounts' expository dictionary, for those of you who preach or teach the Bible, here's a tip. When you explain what a word means, don't tell us Webster's dictionary definition. Tell us the Bible dictionary definition of the word. So here's Mounts' expository dictionary. It says, to bless indicates the action of pronouncing good things upon the recipient. When God blesses, it is not an impotent wish, but the empowering and transforming word that accomplishes its purpose. To pronounce a blessing carries a sense of inevitability such that once it has been uttered, it cannot be retracted. So this is quite encouraging. Then it says, when God blesses, that's it, sealed. It can never be taken back. If God blesses and says, uh, I love you, it, you can never not be loved by God. If God blesses and says, you are wonderful to me, you can never be anything but wonderful to God. It's incredibly powerful. In this sense, blessings are divine. They last forever. Now, in no ways do I want to under, underrate um, Bible reading or things like prayer. But I, I kind of always go to those because those are like the ones that we hear about all the time and all the time. And that's kind of like, how's your Bible reading? How's your Bible? You know, those are good. And keep them and practice them and get better at them. But they're not everlasting. They are helpful in this life. They give life in this life. They point us to what gives eternal life. Blessing is something that should last forever. To bless someone is to want what God wants for someone and to see them as God sees them and to act towards them in a, in a manner that is congruent with them, with that. So in that sense, it's like it's bringing the kingdom of God down into a, an earthly moment and letting someone experience what is true of them eternally in God. Now, you're going to see in a moment, you know, it's... It, it doesn't have to be angels and hymns. It can be very practical and very simple. But it's still bringing into this moment, into this time, into this space, something of God's heart and nature and action towards people. Adele Calhoun writes, describes it this way. She says, To bless and encourage others is to speak well of them, inspiring them with God's own hope, confidence, and delight in their belovedness. Who wouldn't like to be inspired? I mean, don't raise your hand, but I can't imagine someone wouldn't like to be inspired with God's hope, confidence, and delight in how He loves me. So here's a question I'd love for you to ask and answer some questions with, with people around you. This isn't the, the workshop, but it's just for us to engage with the content. Who are the people in your life who bless you? Give an example of being blessed. So share with someone what you're thinking about. And what was it like for you to be blessed? What, what, what did it feel like? What, what thoughts went through your head? 
then who are the people you, you suspect you are a blessing to and why? And, and I suspect here yeah, everyone will become uh, too humble and go like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. And just, get, just get over yourself. You're probably right. You're probably wrong. Who knows? Just say, I think I'm a blessing to so-and-so. And then how? What is it like for you to be a vehicle of blessing in their lives? What does that feel like to be a blessing to someone else? To be someone that brings the ideas and the hopes and the dreams of God into someone's life for them. All right, I think the question, oh, perfect, the questions are there. Why don't you take um, five minutes to work through some of these questions. Don't get into two big groups because you won't be able to work through many other questions, but twos or threes or fours is, is great. All right, go for it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quite quickly race through the, second two, the last two sections so that we can land in a workshop for about 15 minutes. So I want to quite quickly go through why, sh why should we practice blessing and how do we practice blessing so that we can land in a 15-minute uh, discussion and, and planning um, out some kind of activities in response to this. So why should we, let me, let me quickly go through it, why should we practice blessing? So human identity and mission is given to us right at the beginning of the Bible uh, in almost the first words said about uh, humanity from God um, or said to humanity from God, in almost. But right there in the first chapter of the Bible, we have, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, and He gave us our purpose, our mission. And so blessing is attached to our humanity as part of how we find our identity God blesses us, He calls us good, um, and part of our blessing is that He gives us purpose, He gives us mission. So God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, here's what, here's what you do, here's what you're made for, here's your ex why you exist. And so in everyone's humanity, there's a, there's a need of being, a need of being identified, a need of being blessed in their being. You are loved, you are known, you are seen, you are liked. You are accepted, right? Um, I think you know this. This is literally, you know, some of this is how social media thrives on. You know, thumbs and likes and whatever else it may be. And, but our hearts have a longing, a desire to be blessed, to have things told us about our identity. In other words, very simply, every human needs to know that they are loved in various ways. But that's not enough. It's not only enough to be loved, you also want to know that you have some sort of mission, some reason for existence, some purpose in your life. And that's the overflow of God's blessing in our life is not only are you loved, but you're also valuable, you're also worthwhile, you also exist for a reason. There's purpose to your life. There's no trophy humans in God's cabinet. But then as Christians... It's also part of our identity and our mission. So um, when God makes a covenant with Abram in Genesis 12, He says, I will make a, you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now that we're thinking about blessing, it seems to be uh, quite clearly there. I'm going to bless you. I've chosen you. You're my people. And as I bless you, you're going to be a blessing to the nations of the world. Then Jesus took this 
Uh, as the disciples, this is our Christian, uh, uh, this is placed on us as Christians, this is what God was always promising through Christ, this is His covenant to us, that in Christ we have been blessed in Christ, to be brought into Christ, to be saved, to be known by God and loved by God, and we have been sent out into the world to be a blessing to the nations, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel, same as a kind of be fruitful and multiply, go to the ends of the earth. Uh, same, same blessing and mandate given to Abraham worked out through the Christian community. So there's this identity. You are the loved people of God. You are the beloved. If you know God, if you know God through Jesus, if you have this curiosity about Jesus, if you feel that God is calling you to Himself, if you know this one thing, you are loved by God. Nothing can, everything else, let me rather say it this way, everything else about your Christianity, about your faith, is supposed to be built on that foundation. Your being is you are loved. God is crazy about you. But you're not His trophy disciple. He has a purpose and a mission for you in this world. He wants you not only to be blessed, but for others to be blessed through you. So we have an identity and a mission. We see this clearly in uh, Numbers 6, 24 to 26. It says, this is this benediction given over the people. And it's interesting. There's, there's about a hundred examples in the Old Testament of being blessed and blessing. If someone's blessed, then they become a blessing. And there's just example after example after example. It's like every single person God chooses to use. Not only do they get blessed, they, they get God's presence, they get God's favor, they get uh, just, God is all over their life but then they become a blessing to others. Those who stand against them, oh, that is, that's, it doesn't go well for them. But those who stand with them come into the blessing of God on their life. And so there's this benediction that's often given. But this is the, supposed to be about the people of God to one another as well. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Here is blessing at its finest. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His... And the, and the person's using the metaphor of His face to, to be about God's presence. May His presence shine upon you. May He be with you. As you are with God, may you experience a peace that's beyond understanding. Why do we get disrupted in times like this? Well, when we stand outside of that blessing, life is terrifying. How do we experience uh, peace in these times? We come back into who we are and how we are blessed. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He shine upon you. May you know His sovereignty. May you know His hand. May you know His provision. May you know His open doors and His closed doors. May you know His favor and His kindness. May you know that He has a purpose for your life. How do you know? Because you're alive. If He was done with you, you'd be dead. So blessing is ultimately about the presence of God. And being blessed is ultimately about being in the presence of God. Um, and so we should practice blessing each other as, as often as we can and get good at bringing each other into the presence of God or nudging or encouraging each other towards the presence of God. Right? How wonderful that would be. 
So how do you practice blessing? If that's what blessing is, if this is why we should, why should we practice blessing? Because we, every human, uh, needs to know that they are loved. That's part of being blessing is you have a being, but you also have a doing. You, part of blessing is knowing that uh, there's an existence, there, there's a life to get on with, there's things to do, and there's a blessing in God in that. And so we want to, that, that we want to participate in that, and we want to bless people by encouraging them into God's presence of who they are and what God has called them to do. Sometimes that comes, blessing comes with a challenge. Don't do that. It's not what God wants for you. Let me remind you what God has for you. And we speak that back over their lives. How do, you, how do we practice blessing? Um, almost every night of my life, I can remember my father would come into my room and say, yeah, in different ways, but he would say, I love you. No matter what you do, I love you the same. And then he'd force me to acknowledge that he said it. Do you understand that, Mark? Yes, I do, Dad. Do you believe me, Mark? Ugh, yes. And then you get older and then you realize how invaluable those statements are because you're infallible as a child and then you make mistakes as an adult. You're like, oh, gosh, but I know my dad loves me the same. Uh, the other one is um, he would say something like, you know, you can do anything. Now, he wasn't preaching this kind of Western... Uh, privilege of you can be anything you want to be it was embedded in it was this faith that God has a calling on your life you can do anything whatever God calls you to you can do it do you believe that do you trust him every night of my life do you believe me Mark yes Dan what was he doing he was speaking over my being Mark you are loved do you know that yes dad do you know that if you mess up your life and then sometimes he'd give me examples. If you do this, if you do this, if you do this, he'd be like, oh my gosh, what do you think I'm going to do, Dad? <laughs> but you know, if you do that, I'm going to love you the same. Yes, Dad, I know that. He was sealing my being in love. And then he was uplifting my doing. Do you know that God has plans? Do you know that God wants to use your life? Do you know that you can do anything? Do you know that nothing is too small or too big for God? Whatever God has for you, that's awesome. That's enough. Yes, Dad. He was sealing my doing in the blessing of God. Right? Um, so one pressed on my identity and the other pressed on my mission. And he did this incredibly well, night after night after night. Who are you? What, what you do? Um, and so when we bless other people, we never want to flatter them because flattery is, is empty. It's, it's fluff. There's no substance to flattery. Um, don't go to God for flattery because he won't do it. It's not helpful. Um, but we affirm others uh, for who they are and who God has intended them to be, right? Now you start to, you're starting to see that in order to be a good encourager, you really have to have people in your heart. You really have to have God's heart in your heart for people. Because if you get caught in a copy with someone that you've been spending the previous hour like feeling irritated towards, oh, I have to see this person again, and blah, blah, blah. And then you come and sit down with them. And then you go, oh, here's the opportunity to bless. I see how discouraged they are. Like, I've got nothing left. I've just been whinging in my heart about them, right? Imagine coming to the same coffee, prayed up, going, God, how does this person need to be encouraged? How do you see them? What's going on in their life? How, what do you want me to say to them? And something bubbles into your hard heart of love towards them, of God's heart towards them, and the Spirit puts a deposit there. You don't know what will happen. You sit there, and you start to see they discourage you. You go, man, you know, before this meeting, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just like reminding me of how much God loves you. It was quite overwhelming to actually feel it. I was so excited to get to this coffee to just share with you God's love. It bubbled in my heart. God wants you to know you are loved. 
I don't know how to put that in your heart. I don't know how to open up your head and do it. But I know that today He wants to remind you that you're loved, whatever it is. So there's many ways to practice blessing. And uh, I'm not going to go through them, but there's, I mean, it's an infinite amount. And different traditions have blessing tied into their liturgy that, uh, to practice this. But, but there's any amount of ways that you can in your own giftedness do it. Um, I thought I'd give an example just to kind of earth it at how I was just thinking of like five ways I've been personally blessed this week. Because I think if you open up your eyes, you'll see your life is filled with blessing. If I open up my eyes, which I often forget to do, I'll find that my life is filled with blessing. I often see the areas of lack, which aren't real lack, but they're, they're just discomfort, uh, rather than the ways that God has taken care of me. Uh, last week, someone gave us a meal. No reason. Uh, we hadn't moved like Josh and Anna. We hadn't uh, tried to rebuild a bathroom in two days like Josh and Anna. Uh, we just came back from holiday and showed up at church, and someone gave us a meal. Um, it was an incredible blessing to us. It reminded us of God's care for us, of God's abundant love for us, of how you can sometimes do nothing and He's still out of His favor, just blesses you. It reminded us of a picture of the gospel. Why did we get that? We didn't call these people. We didn't hang out with these people. We didn't write a, a nice letter for these people. We've been on three weeks holiday. Because God loves blessing. It was, it was amazing. It was a good, it was a good um, meal, but it was an even better blessing. A friend called me. Well, how's that a blessing? Well, not every phone call is a blessing, and, and the younger you are, the scarier phone calls are. You know, what's my device doing? Why is it ringing? <laughs> what is this? Why does it say answer? What is that green button? Um, we don't love necessarily in phone calls from everyone all the time, but, but a phone call came through, and, and it, was a, it was a nice conversation, but when I hung up, I couldn't stop thinking about this. This person was leaving work, busy day, busy life. I popped into their head. A lot of thoughts could have gone through their head. Many ones. Positive, negative. But they thought, positive thought, like, oh, I'd like to speak to him. Then they made a way of finding my number on their phone, whether Siri helped them or they did it with their fingers, I don't know. And then they called me. And then they spoke. They donated their time. I just couldn't get over that. This is long after the conversation. I woke up the next day. Couldn't stop thinking about it. They just wanted to donate their time. They just were thinking about. What did that do to me? It reminded me that I'm loved. God thinks about me. And when God thinks about me, He wants to be with me. He wants to donate His time to me. He wants to always be there for me. He's inviting me constantly. The phone is constantly green with God. Pick up the phone. Whenever I want, I can answer it and enter into His presence and be known by the Father and know the Father. Wow. But what about, what about all the negatives He could think? Take them to the cross of Christ. He loves me anyway. Whoa. And a friend showed me that. Two brothers this week, I sat down with them, three of us at a table, one of them working on designs for King's Cross for rebranding. Starting a new company, one and a half new companies, uh, renovating their house by themselves and is doing rebranding for King's Cross in their spare time. Spare time? I don't, I, I don't know when that, where they find that. Who has spare time? And time's not a commodity any of us have. Sitting down feeling amazed, then listening 
to these two brothers communicate why these colors and fonts and shapes and sizes and pictures and ideas uh, demonstrate what King's Cross is, and then hearing them describe King's Cross. The warmth of the community, the welcome of the community, the authenticity of the community, the sincerity of faith, the love for Jesus. It's like, what? Some coffee shop anywhere in Perth, sitting down talking to two people, looking at colors and fonts and pictures on a paper, describing this beautiful community. And does it demonstrate them well enough? Oh, what a blessing. How can you not leave that going, God, thank you that I can be part of your church? I'm aware of a few groups that have started together uh, since last week pursuing spiritual friendships. Oh, how wonderful. So-and-so met with so-and-so and and spoke to each other about being vulnerable together and praying for each other and seeing how God works in each other's lives. Wow, what a blessing. Yes, Lord. Last one, my children, because I just want to show you that eight-year-olds can be a blessing too. Because of my father, because of Haley's father, because of uh, starting to, to see over the, over the last few years how this is in the, the, the old, this, how from the Old Testament this carries through this blessing, um, this practice of trying to be good at blessing my kids at night, uh, it, not every single night because I don't want it to be just kind of a rote thing that I remember saying, you know. And so every now and then we'll, we'll go to my kids and say something, something to the effect of, your mere existence makes this world a better place. As they go, do you know that you just being here makes this world better? This world's lucky to have you. I can't wait to see what you do. Um, so there's kind of you know big generic blessing, um, but it's true. God has put them in this world, and this world is lucky to have them. Let's see what God's going to do with their lives. I can't wait. But even the eight-year-old. So thanks, Dad. Hey, Dad, yeah? You make this world beautiful too. Now, either I can go, oh, yeah, thanks very much, cheers. Or you stop and go, hold on. There's no, like, strategic planning. This eight-year-old's not trying to raise me. (laughs) They just are sincerely speaking back what's in their heart. And from the the mouth of an eight-year-old's tongue, Come the words of God's life. Mark, this world is more beautiful because you're in it. Oh, thank you. If I go to the next child and the next child and the next child, they hear from one person, I hear from four. Oh, who's more blessed? I am. How's that possible? Because blessing it isn't discriminated by age or education or if it's, if it's what God thinks and plans for someone, it's going to be a blessing in their life. What's the fruit of blessing? And then let's get to the workshop. It builds up the body of Christ. It fills the human longing for blessing. It gives strength and courage to those who are ready to give up. It lets others know that they are visible, appreciated, and unconditionally loved by God. It spreads the delight of God has in people throughout the whole world. And it enlarges our heart with God's delight. How wonderful enlarges our hearts with God's delight in us and in those around us. So, uh, for the next 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to answer these um, questions. If you don't mind throwing them up, Joel, 
uh, and just see how many you can get through. I think you would be able to get through all of them, probably, but just see how you go. If you're honest, how do you long to be blessed? Where's, where's the gap or where's the longing? What do you desire? Um, you know, there's some Sundays if I answer this question, I'd be like, man, I'd just like to know that that sermon was helpful to someone. That would be a real blessing to me. That would remind me that my, that my doing is, is valuable to someone. I'd be, they would be so happy. I'd be so glad of that. Um, some, so, or I'm just trying to be, you know, I'm trying to be vulnerable. I'm trying to show you, like, the very love, I'd just like to know that, that, I, that I'm, you're happy I'm alive. Now, that's silly because Nash reminds me all the time. But that, if she didn't, that would be real. Love, I'd just like to know that you're happy I'm alive, that you couldn't do life without me. That would be, I'd, be, I'd love to know that. And then I'd remind you, no, you'd be fine. Jesus is still king. <laughs> when do you find it hard to bless others? Who do you struggle to bless? All of us have quirks. All of us at some stage could be a pebble in each other's foot. Just, just, just know where your limits are because God isn't limited there. Because if you can identify it, then you can start to see an area of your heart that could grow. Well, these are the kind of situations or people or frustrations that I have. Okay, let's pray for those. Just take a moment, just take two minutes together and just go, God, help expand our hearts so that we could be a greater blessing to more people. Seeing myself bless the people I love is, is I mean, it's, that's easy. Help me to see myself be a blessing to the people I, I find frustrating. Then I will really know that you're working upon my heart, right? Plan a blessing. So work together uh, in a group um, to think about how you could uh, bless someone else. Uh, who is it? How do you want to bless them? Why do you want to bless them? Um, and there's so many, you know, so many different ways you can do it. A scripture. This is, those of you wanting to be prophetic, you know, just desiring to be a blessing, you could accidentally be prophetic. As you're praying for someone, a scripture could come to mind, you give it to them, and you find that it's the very voice of God into their life. Accidentally, you've been prophetic. You've encouraged them. Exactly where they needed it. But what is it? Think about it. And, and just trust, even now, in this room, as we chat and, and that, that the Holy Spirit will will help you. Assume that the Holy Spirit is going to help you. Don't uh, wait and wait and wait to have a good idea. Just go, let's just assume that in our conversations now, the Holy Spirit is going to help us find the heart of God for people who need to be encouraged, who need to be blessed. And then number four, power hour. Just, here's just this wild suggestion. Make one hour this week and plan to bless as many people as possible. Maybe you have a list of 10 people and you get to six. That's okay. Think about who it is and, and what you would say. And then afterwards, reflect on it. And the exercise, is this something you'd like to do again? Don't flatter, because I promise you, if you, you spend an hour flattering people, you'll get off the phone and you just feel nauseous. I've done it. That's how I know. Just go, that was such a waste of time, waste of their time. I hope they don't believe what I said, because it'd be so unhelpful to them. Uh, I don't believe what I said. God, I'm sorry. This is terrible. I mean, you know, but blessing, you, you get off the phone, you go, that, that, that's like, I just breathed God's life on someone. I just, I want to do that again. Um, but we all have limits, and we kind of have to go refuel in prayer for people and get God's heart and the spirit, hear the Spirit speak to us and whisper to us and, and go out again, be a blessing again. Okay, so if you get to that, great. If you don't, no worries. But I think the first three you should be able to uh, at least plan out. And then, and then at least you'll have an example to, to continue to play with the, uh, the practice of blessing and see if you, it's something you want to grow and develop and how you can do that, okay? All right, let's break up into our groups and work through these questions.
Have you been able to get to at least question number three? Yes. Yeah, most of you. Are you, are you looking forward to working this out? I know Steve is. <laughs> That's exciting. Isn't, isn't Steve and Charlotte such a blessing? Don't you love the way they talk about the church? Have, I don't know, I haven't been in their community group, but when they talk about God's people, doesn't it move you? Doesn't it also silence you if there's any cynicism or corruption in your heart? Don't you go, I'm so glad I didn't say that. <laughs> Don't you love the energy they have to communicate God's love? If God is more energetic than them towards doing good to the people of God, isn't God very energetic? <laughs> right? taking the holiday, opening up their homes weekly just so that people don't miss a community group week. No one made them do that. And yet God is infinitely more energetic than they are. Wow. God's open invitation to us is crazy. So when we bless, we are bringing God's word, God's heart, God's thoughts, God's actions, God's character and nature, physically, audibly, visibly, tangibly, into the space and time, and into the lives of others. And that's why it's a blessing. And if they connect to it, they are not connecting to the meal that was given to us, they are connecting to the, the God through whom it is a blessing. And that's why it's so blessed. We bring each other into the presence of God. Wow. Let me read this over us and then give it to Josh. Finally, brothers and sisters, Paul writes at the end of 2 Corinthians, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. Why? Because the God of love and peace will be with you as you do these things. The God of love and peace comes into your fellowship, into your relationships, into your church, into your neighborhood, into your... The God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with the holy kiss. All the saints greet you. All of you who are in your little independent bubble, leave me alone, private space. Greet each other with a holy kiss. And just so you know, all the saints through all of time greet you. They enter your space with a holy kiss. You are just so crazily madly loved. Paul's obviously talking about the saints with him, but you are greeted, you are loved by all the saints, by all the angels, but most of all by God. The grace of the Lord Jesus the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.